When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. We're back here for another episode, a special episode today as we start our mini-series looking into the World Cup, talking a bit of Wales, Welsh football, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk about this gentleman's podcast as well. But I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Russell Todd from Podcast Peldroid. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you for the invitation. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it. I've, um, I interesting, your podcast has been going quite wide, haven't it? It has. 2014 we started. They're almost ahead of the curve. Um, yeah, so if you, if you look at, if, if you're particularly nerdy about this sort of stuff, podcasts kind of began to gain a little bit of cachet initially. Late 2000s, if you think about Ricky Gervais, yeah. Stephen Merchant, that Radio 5 thing, uh, sorry, uh, Radio 6 music thing. Um, and then they kind of dipped. And I think we were probably just as it was a, as a bit of an upturn, I think. Um, Quite simply because I was I was into listening to podcasts and it, the usual ones probably everybody did so yeah, Mark Kermode, Simon Mayo films yeah, that kind of thing wanted to see if there's anything around Welsh football and I really couldn't find much and my background is community work which you know when you're working in communities particularly socially disadvantaged ones they're usually lacking quite a lot in terms of maybe infrastructure apparatus skills capacity and what 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 is all that about it's just getting on and doing it yourself so I thought well apply those principles to this give it a go and like I've always said any any impression we've given that we know what we're doing is is entirely mistaken <laughs> and unintentional and I can't do the maths what are we now eight years we're into a ninth year I guess yeah yeah that's, that's quite a long time but you're right because podcasts generally they kind of they were on the rise and then they did just kind of dip and they suddenly not disappeared but they certainly were not as popular or a bit scarce maybe but then all of yeah. a sudden like obviously now there's million and one podcasts on I think like iPods and then iPhones you had greater storage capacity so they're longer form anyone's listening to for example uh, you know entertainment with Mark Kermode and that you know they can be maybe a couple of hours long and there's lots of those true crime ones now are really long form 
you've now got the storage capacity on your phones in your pockets and so yeah um yeah. we don't go on that long no no i um i tend to try and stick to about an hour to 70 minutes and then that's about my my limit i have done we did a couple i used to do um a live one on a monday night with andy campbell and we used to have a different football on each week so we'd spend like sort of an hour to an hour and 20 minutes talking to them and then we'd have another sort of half hour talking about you know the games or whatever over mm -hmm. the weekend mm -hmm. and it just it can get a bit exhausted and you can almost get tired of your own voice but um I was tired as other people get it, I'm sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it depends on the topic. So if you're reviewing a game, you know, say for example, last year we, we, we were tending to have maybe three games in a, like an eight day period. Yeah. So your international window is three games. But by the time you've actually got round to maybe, you know, if you haven't had the opportunity to, to record in the middle of that window and it comes at the end, the first game is actually, it's, all, it's, it's already been discussed. It's yeah. on Facebook, it's on social media. Um, obviously, you know, mainstream kind of media has covered it. So actually, the much point going back over it so we tend to find that we don't want to spend too long reviewing games because it's kind of out there i personally always find the most interesting ones being those ones that um give you an opportunity to use football as a medium almost to discuss other things so that could be aspects of society identity language heritage of the game um we did one with laura McAllister not so long ago just two of us from the gang uh, leon and i and we prepped perhaps a bit more than we usually would because yeah. laura's Laura McAllister. Yeah. Um, I think that probably did go on for about an hour and a half, possibly longer. Um, I think somebody like that, people are genuinely, generally speaking, interested in, in listening to and are quite prepared to kind of go with that. But then we did one around reviewing the Toshak years. I think we ended up having to split that into three episodes because that would have just been like too long. Ben Hur. Yeah, it's um, far too long, all in one. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because, um, like, I spend more time now listening to podcasts or watching things on the internet i don't i don't even watch live tv anymore really the only live tv i would tend to watch is if i watch football or cricket yeah so likewise likewise it's, it's yeah. strange how the world has kind of almost moved on a bit from tv but like i very rarely will listen to the radio in the car if there's you know there's no football on or anything like that i tend to put a podcast on in the car and um you know i spend my life either recording or listening to podcasts by the sounds of it. I found when we started, I, my, my listening to them practically fell off a cliff because it was that, that experience of kind of listening to people speaking, albeit it's yourselves and you're doing the editing thing. I then wanted to like listen to something else. I didn't want to listen to more people talking. Um, I think I've kind of got th come through that now and I, I've found some really, really good. And, and I think, you know, again, the podcast scene has just exploded, particularly during lockdown. I mean, you look at you know, you've got things like um, you know, Rajar that traditionally covers ra radio listenership statistics, they now cover podcasts. Yeah. And I read a stat that said during the first lockdown, or the first few months of lockdown, in the UK, it's just the UK, it's in globally, they reckon there was a million new podcast episodes out there. So that could be one podcast doing 20 episodes, don't get me wrong. That's an awful lot of listening. Um, yeah. And the quality varies, clearly, but the breadth of topics varies. And I think what's important, if you look at it from a kind of like a through through a, a you know like a community media prison then is is actually there's a um, there's a diversity of voices there now so there's a lot more it's not just kind of like you know middle aged white guys yeah <coughs> yeah feeling a little bit <laughs> uneasy um, but there's other voices out there doing it and that's important that really is important so. yeah jump in here a bit yeah. just notice you I'll cut you off do we um, yeah I think um, obviously with lockdown and things like that you had people were trying to keep saying and they were trying to find things to do and um, ultimately zoom 
and Skype and things like that. It's made it easy to do podcasts. And I think, you know, I dare say, uh, I would be interested to hear the percentage of people who then dropped off when real life, you know, when job, when you went back to work and you, all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Um, I guess a lot of people do listen to on the commute, for example. Yeah. So um, I think, I think if anything, I think there is an old adage to it, you know, if it's good, people will listen to it and will stick with it. Um, that's not to say that every episode is the same. Um, we, because of just life, work, kids, you name it, we have a, a core of, uh, we just kind of added uh, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Davis, who'd guested a few times. Um, Hugh's kind of like joined the team, if you like, officially. Um, but we tend to kind of look for a minimum of two of, of that kind of five or six of us involved, or who have been involved over the years. Um, I don't think we've ever had everybody on, maybe once or twice. Possibly during the Euros, one of the big, yeah. the big ones we might have done. But um, it tends to be just a question about who's available, who hasn't got a work obligation. So Gaz, for example, is a teacher um, in, uh, in, in Kate's High. Um, start of a new term is, 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 is chaos. So um, we know not to lean too much on him. So it, it's very organic. Um, and, and, you know, it, and we make no bums about it. It is us just talking as we would yeah, down the pub, pub or yeah. are you on the way to a game or whatever it might be. But I think there lies perhaps it's, um, uh, it's, its appeal. Um, but we're not afraid to, to sort of shy away from, from, from certain sort of harder topics or to call things out if we think it's deserving of that. Um, we, we, we tend to reject that kind of, what we tend to get is that kind of like that, that kind of banter and inverted commas type yeah. of thing. Um, and and uh, tabloid, I think, is, is the word I prefer. We tend to re re reject that. Um, but at the same time, you're not going to please everybody all of the time. But, you know, listeners keep, you know, listenership keeps going up getting new followers on, on Twitter, things like that. So I think we'll keep doing it until we're either, you know, told in no uncertain terms we're not to do it mm. or we get renditioned off somewhere. Um, or, I don't know, you know, maybe we just think it's come to a, a natural conclusion. But um, we've had a couple of little breaks along the way, but, you know, we're now getting to World Cups and things. So yeah, you know, when we started in 2014, we'd just been, you know, we'd come off the back of a campaign where we, you know, we'd lost an aggregate and the two legs to Serbia 9-1. I mean... Mm. You know, we we uh, weren't jumping on the glory train by any means. No, no, no. It was it was a very deserted train, um, <laughs> and its destination wasn't Glory Town or whatever it was. It was you know, yeah, it was painful on occasions, but as in, know, but in fairness, being Welsh is painful in, from football in, 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 over the years. In, indeed, um, well, sports fan, yeah, generally, because you know, the, the 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 depth can be very deep. <laughs> Um, but then it's like anything, you know, the, the, the highs and the good times aren't as enjoyable if you yeah, haven't absolutely. had those bad times. So um, I'd like to think we've we've been proportionate. I guess, yeah, we've been proportionate. You know, we don't expect people to agree with us. And we get a lot of pushback on things, often on social media. And that's fine. You know, we encourage debate. Debate is healthy. But I do like to think that over the years we've been proportionate and, and, and fair, um, you know, uh, far, far more often than, than not. Yeah, I think um, with that, like one of my things um, for my channel, I do a lot of different shows on different subjects. Um, I do like a football show with Rodri Giggs on Thursdays and do an MMA, MMA and boxing and different things, different topics. But all of them are kind of based on the premise of I don't just want to be uh, another channel of talking heads who then put out clips of like either clickbaity stuff or you're trying to get your guests to talk about something controversial or say something just so you can you know stick it on social media and stuff like yeah. that and 
sometimes I've been criticised for it by, like, especially when we had, you know, some of the footballers on Stefan, and people would kind of say, oh, you know, why didn't you ask him about this rumour? And it's mm. like, well, I'm not going to, we're not going to, you know, they're coming on free, you know, for free, giving us an hour or two of their time. You know, if it was a, a subject that was, you know, you knew mm. had happened mm. or it was a fa factual thing, which you could ask, we didn't shy away from subjects like that, but we weren't willing to just yeah. start asking people yeah. about every yeah. little rumour and, yeah. you know, it's, I don't think that's fair to people. Yeah, I, I think as well, it's, it's actually, I think it can be counterproductive in the long run as well. I think if, um, if you are trying to, and we, we've, we've spent very little time actually with, with professionals, current or ex, we've been there, we've done a few, um, I think that ends up becoming counterproductive. Um, and I think actually just kind of contributes to that, <laughs> that sense that social media can be a bit of a sewer yeah, on I occasions. Mean, and I, you know, I think we're, we're, we have a consensus that we'd rather kind of you know, shy away from that. But you know, if other people want to go down that path, then yeah, that's why I say tie it up to them. Let them do it. Them. But yeah. for me, like I say a lot, like if I didn't have a podcast or a YouTube channel, like I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd be on social media. I don't like mm. it. I don't like the the constant kind of toxicity, if you want to call it that, or negativity, and just arguing. Particularly on uh, Twitter, I find exhausting, and I don't really post a great deal on mm. it. But I can read some stuff, and I just don't know where people get the time and the, the energy to be so. Yeah, and I think it's affecting our craft, our ability to debate and to discuss, and actually to be able to go, so. okay, I, I see where you come from. I disagree, but yeah, okay, fine. That ability to to kind of respect other kind of positions on something and there's some things I guess it's a lost art I think uh, that is yeah I think I, I think, really do I think it is I think lockdown to a certain extent perhaps you know aggravated it because it, it kind of enforced it moved so much stuff like you said onto zoom onto online um, but then by the same token I've you know I went down and watched my daughter play football in, in Port Talbot the other week and um, put a, 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 a just a message out to um, a lad I've got to know simply through kind of football in circles um, met I think only once maybe twice ever but said listen Danny Portal I know you, that's your neck of the woods so you kind of came over so you, you know you, you can convert like those online friendships into or those connections into something more meaningful 100%. and um, you, we've the, and the podcast has helped with that so you've met people at kind of independence marches who come over and they, they recognise you or they recognise the voice or they see the badge if we're wearing a badge at a game or something and they come over and, and converted a lot of a lot of things like that I mean somebody came up to me in Cardiff Market once and sort of said wow it's weird seeing you speak, not mm -hmm. just hearing you speak, and that 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 was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I um, I was recognised in once in subway. I was in subway. I was just in the queue and I had my headphones in, and I could f you know when you can feel someone looking <laughs> at you, and it was like yeah. this sort of young guy, and he was I could feel him like staring at the side of my head, and um, I kind of just looked and he just said, do you, "You do a podcast with um, Andy Campbell, didn't you?" And I was like, "Yeah," which was really uncomfortable. <laughs> and he asked me to a photo but that was like so strange to me but obviously like Andy's very popular in Cardiff and it's down in folklore so yeah yeah, yeah. it kind of came with the territory and that event but when one of the things which I've always wanted to do with my, all my shows is I want them to be natural so whether we were talking to footballers or fighters or politicians or all you know, rappers and all the different people who I've had the, the pleasure of speaking to is I just want it to be a conversation and where it goes it goes yeah and so what I've like some of my background is community work so I've actually done a lot of work in the voluntary sector in the charity community sector around podcast media and helping develop that and one of the things I've always said is is, is start from that point of view is it's, it's a conversation 
Um, they, that conversation might take a bit more of uh, of an interview where it's a bit more question answer question answer. Yeah. But actually, you know, a conversation is ultimately what people listen to because conversations are that's what we have every so every day. And also around the the you know storytelling narrative as well. I think that's important because us telling stories is you know it's innate in us. You know, we've been yeah. doing it since we were you know living in caves and all the rest of it. So if you can if you can kind of weave in that but it's easier said than it's easier said than done and uh, you eventually kind of find your voice i suppose so um the conversations i think i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The best, the best things to, to listen yeah, to. I think when you listen to a podcast, um, depending on the type of podcast, I guess, but on the whole, you almost feel like you're part of the conversation that you're, you're watching or you're listening and you're listening in on these two or three people or whatever it may be speaking, you feel part of the conversation. And I think that was important to me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned yeah. Um, like the Welsh independence marches. I wanted to ask you something very quickly off topic was, um, did you see the, the kind of Barry Horns versus the Tories uh, sort of arguments recently? It was hard not to. Yeah. What did you make of that? <laughs> Um, I guess there's a certain politicking taking place. Um, you know, I think if we look at, so I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of zoom out a little bit and look at it as kind of a bit more of a panorama. Going back to those days when we're getting pumped by Serbia six one, you know, um, dark days. You know, the, the, the crowds were low. They were low before that as well in, in the Millennium Stadium, things like that. Actually, that thing that we now call the Red Wall, which I think is a cultural, social, political institution, okay. Debauched and a bit drunken on away games, and it, you know it's good fun and it's all the rest of it. But it is an institution; it's an expression of of something, right? It might mean different things to different people. One of the building blocks of that is the Barry Horns, right? Without any question, in my mind. Um, and I think partly because of that, they they've become a voice piece for a range of different things for that matter. You know, I can remember when the old Dempsey's pub opposite the castle wouldn't put. Um, uh, a football game on because I think they were showing Uruguay versus England in the Rugby World Cup okay now I'm sure there were some England English rugby fans yeah. in, in the pub and, and, and they are in Cardiff even some Uruguayan rugby fans in there. but actually there was a football game and they wouldn't do it and so they had a little kind of joke I think it was they called them dumpsies after a while mm -hmm. on, on social media things like that they've taken certain causes and they've elevated them and they've brought about certain sort of changes in perception and attitude so I think Barry Horns are, 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 are great um, so I can understand kind of going zooming back in so, so, so that legacy that that impact I think is 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 you know, has been felt continues to be felt um, to the extent actually sometimes I don't hear them in the games that's always that was always their mission was to not really be needy you almost do them do they do themselves out of the job in terms of the, the noise and the atmosphere in the ground and I think they've largely done that um, I still want them there though mm. but you know them now being recognized almost kind of being patronized by you know Welsh government by having Welsh government public money does bring with it certain uh, pressures and, and obviously requirements in terms of the public money 
they've said the the Welsh Conservatives have said that you know it's it's a non-partisan sorry it's a partisan use of of public money but then I'm you know I've no doubt that they will be or politicians more uh, persuasions will be will be accepting hospitality off the back yeah. of the World Cup as well. So, um, you know that we all know what goes on in in the in, in the course of lobbying, mm. um, and um, I think it's a little bit of pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, I find um, it quite hip- hypocritical. I gotta be honest. I think it's actually longer term counterproductive, and I've seen a couple of people who are more minded towards their their their, their side of politics by saying actually, why are you picking a fight with one of the most popular mm. sort of social media accounts and. Like I said, and, and, and elements of this really positive, constructive, successful, fun institution, this cultural expression of, of Welsh identity, why, why pick a fight with yeah, that? It's a very strange route to go, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. like, I think football fans generally are, are still not very popular with the, the outside world in terms of... And, you know, look, in some ways I get it from... You know the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. I get it. I get why people have got a certain perception of football fans, but like you only have to go to a Wales game to realise that's not. It's nothing. It's like night and day compared and, and, to those. And that was one of the things. That, that was and one of the. Part of that. And that, yeah, absolutely, it was one of the, the you know part of the, the, the Barry Festo, if you remember, very early on, um, was about trying to break all that down. And you've got fans in that band of, of different clubs, most notably Cardiff and Swansea. Yeah. And to be honest, that was something, I, I, I had very, very little kind of roadmap when we, we, we first sort of, when I first reached out to a couple of people on the old, on the, on the message board actually, about starting this podcast. And um, one of the things I, I, I was fairly curious, I wanted it to be, I wanted to have a plurality of, of kind of voices, accents, maybe club allegiances. Um, so we've got Gaz, who's, who's a Cardiff City fan. I'm a lapsed Cardiff City fan, I guess. With not much of a club allegiance mm-hmm. anymore, you know. Leon's a Wrexham fan. Rich doesn't really follow a club, you know. A bit like me, Wales is the thing. Howell was a Swans fan. Howell started off in in, in early in the early days with us, and I think that that plurality of accents, fan allegiances, I think, of, of the few things I did have in mind that was part of a plan, that was one of them. I think that that's been one of the ingredients for our longevity. I won't call it success. I'll leave that for other mm-hmm. people to decide. But the, our longevity. Yeah. Um, was that we we had some different perspectives. So if we're talking about Ruben Colwell, you know, Gaz can tell us how he got on on the weekend because he was down there watching it. Um, it's it's also interesting, I think, then to hear Swansea's uh, Swansea point of view of a you know of a Cardiff player, Ruben Colwell, and stuff like that. Just because yeah. they will see it differently automatically because you haven't got the same loyalty, the same affection that a Cardiff fan would have, just by the very nature yeah. of it. To a certain extent, it's, yeah, and, and and hopefully again, like I said, p- be proportionate. I mean, the f- you know, there's people out there don't get me wrong that you play play for a club and that's it, persona non grata. But then I'm old enough to remember Andy Legg, Mark Harris coming to Cardiff City. Yeah, and well, funny enough, I put um, a show out just this last Tuesday with Andy, and um, I put a clip out this morning actually of him talking about his first three months at Cardiff. Yeah. He went to Frank Burrows after three months and said, "I think I've made a mistake," because he was getting death threats yeah. and abuse and. They um they used to open his mail in the changing room on a Monday, all the squad, and um because it, it was so much of it just hate mail, from Cardiff and Swansea fans, yeah. and um there was um I've forgotten the name of the guy now, but me it was a Dutch player was there, and um he opened he said oh can I open this to Andy and Andy said oh yeah go on. and he opened it and he cut his finger on a razor blade that was in the envelope, so like there's 
you know the hostility is still there i don't think it's quite at the same level as it was back then but i i, I guess i don't really follow cardiff anymore so i've got no i've got no skin in the game um, yeah if, if if it can be kept to one side for for the national games then all about then that's that that I, I do have a strong opinion on uh, what i've always found funny is the number of people that pl players have played for both clubs yeah. rex and chester are the same fans absolutely hate each other detest each other the number of players who've played for both clubs and Carter and Swansea the same card Newport yeah, I, I find that kind of interesting actually but yeah. I, you know if 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 there's like I said if, if there's something to explore there you know yes celebrate the good times but I think again you, you the, the good times feel better and they potentially are more meaningful I would argue if you're able to critique and explore the the less harmonious times and that might be an instance of it would it be Winston Faber that's the one. That's the one. There we go. Like yeah. I said, that's my my former Cardiff City go. credentials. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I find that if we can if we can explore those again and do it proportionately, not blow things out of all proportion, um, but at the same time not sweep things under the under the rug a little bit. Um, then I think that's that's our guiding kind of principle, I suppose. Indeed. And um, one thing I wanted to ask you about just before we kind of move towards Wales and. World Cups and stuff was um, the recent game against Poland. There was a lot of irritation, I think we'll say afterwards you know, on social media and things like this about the police and the stewards and some pyrotechnics and mm -hmm. firework. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, like I didn't go to that game, um, but when I saw and heard the firework go across, that reminded me of the Romania game years ago, and I was a I, I can't even think how young I was. What year was it? Uh, 93. God, yeah, I was only about 10, 11. Mm -hmm. And I remember being really upset by, you know, I'd, you know, I didn't see anything or whatever, but I knew it had happened and found out, you know, the next day yeah, that, yeah. that someone had died and stuff. And we, we did an episode with Phil Stead, who most people would be familiar with. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he was at that game and been obviously going to games for, for many, many years before that. Um, he's written about it in terms of the Red Dragons book. And Phil's a great writer. Um, what he what he said about that night, about hearing afterwards, I think sort of like going, literally kind of going into the city arms or the modelling or whatever it, wherever it would have been, but kind of in the vicinity of the ground, disappointed already, sensing that maybe something there, there was a sense that was something else. I forget exactly what it was he said. I mean, the podcast is still up there, but Phil Phil's book really really great, really harrowing actually. Mm. And and the word I used, and I thought long and hard about it because I didn't put the tweet out until the following day was about I, you know, I used the word triggered on, 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 our, on, our, on our Twitter feed and, I, and I, I thought long and hard about it is that the word? and I think it was and I sat there I got three children between 9 and 14 and a 14 year old now goes with his mates he was in the uh, Grange End don't usually sit there I was surprised when he mm. told me afterwards that's where they were that's where they got the tickets and had the Polish fans to the, to the right he said I saw the section where that came from because we were looking over because they were being noisy yeah. at that point you know and um, he told me that afterwards. I didn't know where he was in the ground. My daughter was sitting a couple of rows behind, just because there was a bit of a ticketing issue. I had my nine-year-old next to me. And that sense as a father you want to protect, I, had, I honestly had that thought. What if something comes flying over here? What do we do? Yeah. What am I doing? Um, and I found it triggering. And I'm feeling it triggering now. Because whether you remember it, whether you were there, whether you, um, you know, have only heard about it, whether you're from Merthyr, where, where, where John Hill, who, who sadly died, is, was, was, was from, 
Um, you will obviously know maybe connections with it, things like that. My godfather was on duty as a copper that night, so I've, I've heard some fairly harrowing things about, about, about what happened from that perspective. Um, it, 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 is, it, is, it, was, it was triggering, and I'm not sure we need that. And I think, what, going back to this concept of the Red Bull as an institution, it has largely self-policed and, and eradicated the nonsense that we were referring yeah. to earlier. It's much more inclusive now. Um, you know, we, we did with an online expo, I'm involved in this festival, Valdor Festival up in Wrexham, um, just on the eve of the World Cup, and we, we had a little online kind of version of it last year. Um, we heard from Penny Miles, who's pretty much the, the driving force behind Wild Gork and Award and the women's, well, uh, creating a sense of like a red wall kind of sense of environments and songs and things at women's games, but also looking at the interests of uh, female fans following Wales in, in the men's game, home and away. And she sort of said, you know, there's some, some, some research that she's been doing, she's an academic at Bath University in Penny. Um, you know, one in four women have, have experienced a form of harassment at home or away games. She talked about being like the only woman that she saw on about a 30 to 40 minute walk from downtown Minsk, sorry, from Minsk, downtown on the border of Minsk in Belarus when Wales women were playing there about four or five years ago. She literally didn't see another woman. Um, so you begin to recognise there's other experiences. So as fun as it all yeah. is, there's other experiences out there that, um, that, 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 that don't experience it or feel it in yeah. the same way. And I think that's important to be in. And she talks about building kind of alliances and, and forms of kind of like, um, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, um, coalitions across all of that. So it's not about wagging fingers at men, but it's about trying to build those alliances. So, um, you know, I think that's all worth mentioning. Um, we have a duty as a responsibility, going back to that Polish incident, that firework, to kind of call that out. Yeah. Um, because there has been some relatively heavy-handed policing. There has been a bit more escalation and monitoring of Wilmington Street. I don't think that's something that is, you know, isn't secret, increasingly yeah. common. Yeah. Absolutely. Being filmed, things like that. Um, there's been some significant bans, stadium bans handed out to people, I understand, for um, offences with pyro that are nowhere near the ground. So... There seems to be something ratcheting up, yet that happens. So I think it's about being proportionate. Um, we've reached out and sort of said, listen, if the, if the police and Crown Commission wants to come on to our podcast to explain what the rationale for that is, because they have intelligence. Maybe there is something else going on. Who knows? Mm. But there's their opportunity. Yeah. And actually, at the end of the day, they police by consent. Um, and I would like to think that if they wanted to engage with fans and build up and continue, I suppose, what is already a fairly good constructive relationship with police in terms of away games and things like that um, then then they should use forums like like, like us like this you know yeah. come in and explain what the rationale is 100%. if they don't then I think fans can understandably possibly even justifiably form their own conclusions and I think that becomes a, a potential slippery slope then into rumour conjecture conspiracy course, yeah. theory and lack of else. communication absolutely. just causes more uh, issues uh, uh, absolutely and to be fair to FAW uh, Norm Mooney had kind of yeah, gone out yeah, and, and, and on, on his socials and, yeah. and sort of done that. So hopefully something will will happen. But um, yeah, that was that was that was nice. that was not a nice thing. Yeah, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, um, that they had been you know searched or the women had had their bags searched and men had been searched on the way in, and yet there a lot of people, you know, there was Polish fans with full sort of face paint and Polish kits on just walking into the Wales ends and mm. and then being a bit. Troublesome and it's well, and I've heard that people took their f their, their children away after uh, because of that they left, yeah, early, left early, but they also left early on the back of that that firework, yeah, and that, and what seemed to ramp up, which I think is a shame because I thought on many levels they were good fans, mm. they were noisy. Okay, they and we said this on the last episode. Okay, finally sang through the anthem. You know, my response to that is you sing louder, yeah, you know, and that's and that's just that's 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 a bit of yeah. the, the, the rough and tumble. 
Um, you know, I remember Northern Ireland fans in the Millennium Stadium in three or four. Um, God save the Queen, and you know, deafening, deafening boos, and the and the, the PA just sort of turned it up even louder, and it got showered with coins then for mm -hmm. our anthem. But um, I'm not saying we go back to that, but you want your away fans to have to bring a little bit, isn't that part of the football? Yeah, you want. I think you need a bit of, um, not animosity, but a bit of back and forth and a bit of rivalry. Is fine. Rivalry is absolutely fine. And I think also I don't have a problem with. Uh, opposing fans booing the Welsh national anthem it, at all. It's not their national anthem. For the ninety minutes, there we're effectively their enemy, and then you know it's done and dusted. Where win, lose, or draw, and that's it. And I don't have a problem with that. And I don't really understand the kind of point of view of where people get very upset about it. But I also am. Older and wiser than when I, you know, a long time ago, where I would have probably criticised those people for, yeah. because I didn't understand it. it just because I, just because, just because it doesn't bother me, and I don't see the problem with it, doesn't mean that other people might. There's, there's a, a Belgian, like there's a Belgian poet and writer author um, called jo I think is it Jean Philippe Trousson is his, his surname. It was Jean Pierre Trousson, a massive football fan, and he talks about the ninety minutes of football being a. a, 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 a a period of time where he regresses intellectually in terms yeah. of maturity and and that, and that that's okay if you leave it there at the end then that's that that's kind of okay and i and he's kind of unashamed in that and i think yeah. actually booing people and you know that kind of thing actually is is a form of regression and it's okay well, it can quite be quite cathartic to, to, to do that yeah. i guess if it's carrying on afterwards and on social media then yeah. i get but, but, a bit but uh, yeah truson talks about that and and says it's kind of okay, yeah. and, and and there's almost an element of chauvinism in it. And the point is, this is about different countries competing. So when people sort of say, "Oh, keep politics out of sport, keep politics out of football," it's inherently political. It was set up because of politics. Yeah. You know, the only reason we have you know men and increasingly women, but men at the time running around recreation grounds chasing a ball is because there was a middle class landed Victorian gentry that wanted to be entertained, and they had spare time and they had the money to be able to then pay these people. And then corrupt them by yeah. paying them because of professionalism. So you look at the social history of it; it's inherently political. Yeah. So anyone that wants you to get away from it, no. it's not. And I think what's suspicious. So then you look at things like, you know, for example, go back to the Barry Bonds and the, and the Welsh Tories. Anyone who's telling you to keep it out of politics, sorry, to keep politics out of sport or sports out of politics, actually would have no qualms in putting politics, throwing it in, if it was to suit their own ends. Yeah. Um, and and or, or even even more sort of mendaciously, they're asking you to take it out because they're doing this over here and they don't want you to see. They want you to turn a blind eye. Mm. So I, I I always find that incredibly naive. Yes. And um, going back to the policing thing just quickly, um, one thing which Cardiff did very well to move away from kind of the the, the dark days for, for lack of a better term. Um, I forget the gentleman's name. There was a police officer who worked with the club. Simon, something I think his name was. Yeah. And um, he did tremendous work to kind of almost fix the relationship between the police and Cardiff fans to a certain degree. I dare say there's not a lot of love lost sometimes, but I think some of that comes down to how how football fans are treated on match days and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's probably worse on a club level um, than it is internationally. I think, but you know. I think Wales. What my my point was, I think, if Wales look at the improvements that were made 
like Cardiff went from the Soul Crew and having a lot of issues with that sort of thing to being Family Club of the Year. I think a few times, very pretty quickly, and I think a big part of that was working with the police mm. instead of yeah. the police coming in and telling fans or the club what they're yeah. going to do. You know, I know that there's got to be a certain level of you know we need you to do this and that and things like this it's for building, safety but it's about building alliances building coalitions if i was teaching some you know student community workers here that's what you talk about it's about building alliances building coalitions speaking to people coming 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 at people up there sorry on their level you know um in terms of how you speak how you dress where you meet you know the terms of those meetings those sorts of things and um yeah and simon was um was, was incredibly instrumental i think you're right to 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 to, to kind of to, s to single him out, I mean, I'm sure there were other people, and he's not working. Uh, no, he's not doing it alone. I'm no, sure, he's doing it within a within a kind of strategic context context within the police. It's kind of the face of it, I guess. But, yeah, but but, but, but also a lot of the there would have been a lot of his personality and his kind of commitment to that role and whatever it is that he wanted to achieve. There was a large factor and a driving force in, in its success, without any question. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think I just hope it doesn't become a a wider issue because I found it like Wales inherently over the last couple of years or last few probably longer than that the atmosphere has been so good and so positive between uh, fans and, and kind of the Welsh FA even as the, the relationships have kind of improved over recent times and it would be a shame if this was kind of the start of a bit of a breakdown in that relationship yeah, I don't I think it will be because I think people like Noel Moody are so good at what they do but also they've got their ear to the ground in terms of what's going on with fans or where fans are kind of yeah are. yeah yeah and communication is better because that's the thing again going back to simon if something can't happen explain why it goes yeah. back to what i was saying about things like the the surveillance on, on Moonby street well why why is that yeah. why are there cameras being pointed, in pointed people's at people's faces, faces mm. when they're just having a few beers before they go down yeah, and why why, th why that bit? Because there's a certain going back to the independence thing. There is a certain uh, kind of very vocal majority, if you like, or vocal constituency um, who congregate there to have a certain view politically about about Wales. Um, well, why there? Why not? I don't know. In the Cornwall pub? Why not in Spoons on, on Cowbridge Road? Yeah. Why why won't be street? So I think that's an interesting um, debate. Um, so it comes up like exactly what you say, communication. Yeah, and the FAW are much better at communicating these days. I think in terms of North Wales as well, and I talk about Wrexham and Chester because they were still having bubble games until recently. Possibly still do. I don't know. Well, they don't play each other much anymore. But uh, Avon Jones, who was the police and crime commissioner for North Wales, and a massive Wrexham Wales fan himself. You know, Avon did a lot of good, I think, in terms of putting pressure onto North Wales about that there are other ways we can do this. Uh, well, and Cheshire Police as well, I guess. So um, you know, it's not that it can't be done. No, you no, know, absolutely. I guess ultimately it's possible. It's there's, it's about where there's political will, like 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 with so much so many things in life. Yeah, I mean, on terms of communication, Cardiff can do with communicating why they sacked their manager out of the bit, <laughs> but um, that's another story. Yeah. Um. So we're in October. The World Cup is for yeah. six weeks. Six weeks away. Wales are finally get finally there and trust trust Wales to get to the world one World Cup, which no one wants to go to. But <laughs> I mean is this yeah. it's an odd one um and like i do feel like um there's a lot of people who are almost 
almost walking around on eggshells in that they don't want to be too vocal in their criticism of the World Cup. And I don't think people, this is my view of it, and um, like I don't think people who are being critical of it are critical, being critical of the, the people of Qatar. Mm. It's, they're being critical of the, the treatment of the workers who've built stadiums and the things like this and some of the, the kind of rules which potentially could be in place around the, mm. the, the areas where fans may be. And I think, going back to what we said right at the start about people not being able to disagree without it just being like a huge thing, yeah, you can criticise the regime without criticising the people. I, mean, yeah. I think you know when Wales played Israel in the qualifiers for 2016, I know people who refused to go to Israel mm. on, on, on moral political grounds. Um, I would imagine the next time that you know Russia hosting something, it might not be for a long time, but looking back we can see what the, the 2018 World Cup was all about in terms of sport washing some of that state's intentions. Now, are we hammering every Russian person? No, we're not. We're hammering the regime. I think you can make that distinction. Um, I think that the, the thing that bothers me, and I saw something, I think, I think literally in the last 24 hours, around FIFA not wanting to, or putting up some sort of press around, they're not wanting to um, avoid any critique of workers' rights off the back of the World Cup. Like I said, six weeks away, where was that critique you know, yeah. eight years ago when the Absolutely. stadium were being built and the people were being brought over and, and treated inhumanely and all the rest of it? So, look, I... I you, you can again, and you can you can criticise the regime of football yes. without criticising the game, without criticising yeah. necessarily you know what is going to happen in terms of on the pitch, the players and things like that. I'd like to think that we've actually pitched it relatively okay um, in terms of you know the FAW and, and fans and, and things like that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline shy away that there's some things that are you know difficult yeah. unsavory that you know we, we we shouldn't shy away from calling out um but at the same time i guess there's also recognition there's things that need still need improving in our game domestically as well so it's, it, there's a sense of realism about it i do sense i think also there is there is always a soft diplomacy there is that what happens you know over the campaigns in the boxes when you've got the delegates and the blazers and all the rest of it having their little you know uh, junkets and their little vip treatment there is a soft diplomacy and i think one of the things that you know i guess if you look at the actual con con constitution of the faw you know if you're involved in football in north wales go and speak to your north wales reps on the faw's main council and say i hope if you're going you should be saying this you know there, there are those official softer diplomacy channels um i don't imagine we'll see banners and things in the stands I imagine that that will all be policed very very heavily but um, there's going to be lots of people in Dubai flying in for games it'd be interesting is, is the fans just between games downtime are they going to be policed in a fairly heavy handed way around that it's, it's going to be fascinating it's um, even in the, some European cities they banned fan zones already so like in Fr uh, France I think in Paris and Nice and a few others they've said that 
they won't have fan zones to watch the games. And to me, it's so counterproductive because to me, all that's doing is punishing Euros, kind of the French people who would like to gather and watch the games who are not going to travel to Qatar. Mm. And potentially your own economy, I guess, with the mm, money which mm, would be spent mm, at those mm. fan zones. I, I'm kind of torn between it because I think that, but then I also think they, you know, they're, they're making a stand in yeah. some way as well, yeah. in the, yeah. maybe the little way that they can. But I don't. But then could only look at the club, watch it, yeah. put some money across their bar. There's plenty of grassroots exactly clubs that, that need, that I need would money. Other people income. do that. Yeah, I, yeah. Your local pub or your local cl- uh, local sports club. Firstly, fans don't particularly push my buttons, but I no. recognise they do for a lot of people, and that's fine. But um, yeah, there's lots of you know, pubs need the trade. You know, look at what's yeah, coming this winter yeah. in terms of cost of living and heating and utility prices. The pubs are going to need all the help they can get. Clubs certainly. So, I personally that would be my preference. But like I said, you know, people pay their money and they make the choice. Um, but I think it's going to be it's going to be great. The thing as I was driving over here. Um, I was thinking of um, I don't know Joe Allen or Aaron Ramsey or Ruben Cole or Ben Davis. Big picture, Ben Davis just out the door there, isn't it? Um, at a press conference, like we've seen at the last two Euros, S4C will be there, um, or, or, or Welsh uh, medium, sort of, you know, other broadcasters, Radio Cymru, asking a question in Welsh of Ben Davis, Aaron Ramsey, whoever, and you have literally got the eyes of the world who's going to hear this language. I honestly wonder whether. Welsh has ever had the level of profile and prominence that it is about to get. Yeah. Maybe Richard Burton on the Dick Cavett show saying something about when he's reminiscing going back and seeing his dad in Pont Reed event or something. Possibly, possibly. But I still think this dwarfs it. Yeah. I think, I think so. that is just insane. I, I, think I can't get my head around. In terms of media it. as well, like the amount of, because of social media and and things, the way media travels, the internet and things, the way media travels in this day and age compared to, you know, Richard Burton back then is very different, isn't it? Well, so it is, and, well, and, and, instantly. and football's different. But I mean, there's probably an argument that says that Gareth, yeah, sorry, Richard, Gareth, that was Freudian. Richard Burton is, um, you know, possibly the most famous Welsh person of the 20th century. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gareth Bell can't be getting too far off, no. hence, hence the Freudian slip. I think, you know, pl- but players like Ramsey, Ben Davis at Spurs, for example, played under Conte, played in Champions Leagues uh, and finals. You know, they have a certain level of profile as well. For them to be able to speak well, so for some of that, that content maybe to be then subtitled in, I don't know, a language that's being broadcast back to Senegal are playing there, aren't they, in the tournament? You know, Chile, um, Uruguay, you know? Wow, incredible, isn't it? Well, really I actually good. don't think we've, we've, we've fully thought this through, wow. how big it could be. Yeah. So, and I think, if anything, the viewing figures for this World Cup I think will be higher than previous World Cups. I, I've just got a feeling. I think less people are going to travel to it and the areas yeah. around it. So, in past World Cups, Euros, you have obviously people travel to watch and they stay in the countries and stuff like that. But you also get a large contingent who will travel and just stay in the areas around the stadiums. I don't think you're going to get as much. No, of that. no, no. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's no, just. It's going to be a different level, different level. Yeah, I'm excited. In, I'm excited. It, I, it's so strange, though, that it's October and we're like getting gearing up for a World Cup. Yeah, so like I, I mentioned it earlier, if I can give it a quick plug, we've got this Wild Gork Festival taking place in, in, um, in, in Wrexham in, in 11th to 13th of November. And um, www.footballfansfestival.com, go to Wild Gork on Twitter, Wild Gork Fest on, on Insta. 
it's the other way around. And you know, Green Rush speaking, Betty and Charles coming over, David Kahn, Louis Mars, got a load of films, and uh, and a lot more besides. Big Nev is is, is talking. He's looking at some stuff around mental health, how football help with with mental health awesome. um, issues, things like that. Um, there's some games being played, Sabutio gaming, tons and tons and tons. And the 14th of November, I'm going to be able to flex, and I think only then I'll begin to kind of be able to take on yeah. the, the vast scale of this of this tournament. Um, but um, it, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. And you know, when we're talking about, I don't know, so one of the films we've got is um, a film by Louis Miles called. Um, uh, it's about the Croatia team getting to the 1998 well, semi-finals. They came third in that 98 tournament. And, you know, having been in the grip of Civil War only four or five years earlier. Okay. And it's looking at how did football help that small nation. Croatia, I don't think we realise quite how small Croatia mm. is. I mean, it's only a little bit bigger than Wales, you know. And they got to a final, you know, the, the, the last time out as well. It's kind of summoning, if you like, and there's, there's differences as well, don't get me wrong. And obviously, we obviously weren't in a civil war a few years ago. But there's this sense of actually what the, the power of, of, of a World Cup journey and we had an insight, didn't we, in 2016? Yeah. We had an insight. And if you look at Don't Take Me Home, you look at Nick Stradlin's uh, Wales in the Movies, you look at Nick's, Nick's film, I think the phrase that was said over and over and over again, put Wales on the map, mm. on the map. And this is going to put us on a bigger map. Yes. And it's going to be a map that gets circulated around the world more. Uh, you know, and I just think that's, that's incredible. That, this is, it, it's a game changer, hopefully for the better. But it's a game changer in terms of what people understand and recognise about Wales, but what we recognise and understand about ourselves as well. Um, so long may it continue. Indeed. That's um, why I could sit here and I could talk to you for another hour easily. I couldn't because um, it's getting a very hot in here. And this is, this is um, 100% man-made fire. <laughs> I probably should have taken this off. I'm showing a bit of like a retro uh, shirt. Umbro uh, shirt. I'm sweating buckets. We, um, but it's, been very, it's been enjoyable. Thank you. It's, um, yeah, we didn't even really get to the the World Cup and the goalkeepers and that but maybe <laughs> I don't know maybe if you can um, if you can fit it in you're more than welcome to come back in yeah well there's there's a, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few views around our table yeah and I think like I say it comes back to that plurality of voices perspectives so yeah we're doing I don't think we've got the date set but the next one we do is our squads our squad picks nice which I think is harder now than it was for the last Euros which, yeah. is even, which was even harder than the Euros in 2016 so you know, we've reason we've reasonably got 34, 35 players to try to fit into 26. Yeah. So that the, the headaches for selection are growing tournament by tournament. So Euro 2024 in Germany. Mm. You know, is it going to be 40 players trying to fit into a 26 squad? If There's some young players. Um, that's the trajectory up. we need to be on. Yes. Um, um, very quick so question to finish then. Yeah. We'll finish on this because someone did mention it on Twitter. Um, if you were picking the game, the first game of the World Cup, and you're picking the team now, yeah, who's your goalkeeper? Uh, yes, Ian Derrick was now on Twitter. Thanks, Ian. Uh, no, Ian. Um, I think there's not a huge amount to choose between them. I think they both have a little bit of a ricket in them. They've demonstrated that both for club in terms of ward and in terms of country. I, 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 I think therefore it comes down to that old cliche of you go with the person who's got the shirt. So I would go with Hennessy, even though I thought he was a little bit off his game against Poland. He if so you had enough credit in the bank, bank, the game against Ukraine, he was incredible that night. So I would I would go with him. 
and I, I agree with that exactly that and the, and the reasoning why I do feel sorry for Danny Ward though because although his maybe his club form has been a bit sketchy for Wales he was so good in the Euros like he was I thought what our best player of the tournament and um, he hasn't put a foot wrong for Wales and then Hennessy was just in and he had the game of all games yeah. and now it's, he's going to probably have to wait his go yeah. now Danny um, but, but, but when Ward got his chance it was kind of like oh he yeah. dropped Hennessy so so there's been a rationale behind it both of them have, have benefited from those sort of shock uh, choices um, both took their chances when given the opportunity uh, uh, as well uh, absolutely so on that basis I, again it's the that old cliche go with the person in the shirt yes indeed right I thought you were going to disagree with him no no I, after um, all of that I know <laughs> you should have said Danny Ward I could have disagreed with <laughs> Um, Adam Davis. I'd yeah. go with Adam Davis. There you go. Good bit first. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested there. if there's any um, kind of left field picks for the squad. Like I made an argument to Rodri last week, maybe the week before, where I said that for Wales, England, I think it's vital that you take uh, a striker or an attacking player who maybe they're not your first choice, but they're bang in form, especially because it's in the middle of the season this time around. So if you can take a striker who's you know scored five and five or whatever just someone who's in form even if they're young a bit older just maybe they're not going to start but if you're drawing a game or you need a goal someone you can bring on who you know is full of confidence and is scoring goals i think that's important and i think unfortunately wales haven't got the same depth to pick from yeah and there's a, there's a parallel so in 58 he was back playing wales and he'd, he'd been suspended at sunderland for the legal payment thing he could only play in Holland, he was a PSV. He was about 37, maybe even 38 by the time 58 came around. He hadn't played for us for three years, that's Trevor Ford. Mm. He was Wales' record goal scorer until he and Rush took a record, so he was at that point, and he was you know, through the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, even if you'd have put him in the squad, wouldn't have played, probably too old, lost a lot of his pace, lost a lot of the sharpness, but he was still scoring goals for Newport County, albeit in the fourth division as he was then. But we went to that game against Brazil, and John Charles had been kicked out of the tournament. And they didn't have you, a goal scorer. You know, sometimes you know you need a player just to. You know, I remember Ratcliffe signed for Cardiff. You know, his, his legs had gone, but you could still see the class. It was still there. And sometimes, you know, you can just chuck somebody in, and they can just roll back the clock. I mean, I remember Yari Lipman in against us. Mm-hmm. What was the phrase? He, he stood us ragged. Yeah. He barely moved, and he dictated he the game. Around, class he? is still class. It makes you wonder. So, um, yeah, um, there's, 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 there's an argument. There's an argument for somebody whose role is very specific in a very specific context particularly in the 26 so my my bolter would be michael sheen just simply just fire people up up officially name him in the squad just to have him there and and team talks yeah yeah Yeah, i don't (laughs) disagree with that whatsoever um russell it's been an absolute pleasure man no likewise cheers thank you Network.